Hey guys, welcome to the Flourish Podcast. I'm Juliana. I'm going to be one of your co-hosts today, and I am joined with Terry Langland, arguably the most well-liked person in Salt Company. And so, Terry, can you introduce yourself? Um, Yeah, like what do you do for Redemption Church? What is your heart for college ministry? Mm, I, okay. I was introduced to Redemption as a, a ministry because my son was attending University of Minnesota, when not as cool as St. Thomas or Concordia, I get all that. But um, through a series of events like broken legs and canceled trips and so on, I visited uh, what was then Salt City for the first time and was just energized by the vibe. Um, I still think of myself as young, but if any of you know me, you'll just laugh at that because I'm not. But my heart is just uh, still a teenager or young adult at best. And so um, my role at Saltco's is just coming in, enjoying seeing young men and young women experiencing that independence and idealistic dreams of their future and how they can impact the world and it just experience the the freedom that that is that pent-up demand of adolescence of like i'm just ready to get out and launch and and be be my own boss so i love participating in that season because during that season i made some lousy choices and so if i can in any way kind of warn and advise and participate in your journey through life and help you avoid some pain that would be unnecessary that would be that's my role that's what I want to do mm, that's sweet yeah it's been so much fun having you at Salt Company on our panels a lot of you guys will recognize Terry from our panels even though he doesn't introduce himself as Terry crooked tea <laughs> crooked tea bring well, it let's go yes. <laughs> um I I have the pleasure of being in Terry's connection group and one thing I can say about him is that like he just loves God. Hmm. He just has such a sweet heart for God. And so I'm super excited that we have Terry on the podcast today um, talking about Romans 13, talking about submitting to the governing authorities. And so today is our last episode of the Flourish podcast. And so we will be talking about Romans 13. And so many of you guys have had questions on this passage and rightfully so. It's kind of confusing and hard to digest when you first read it. And so today we want to take some time to slow down and um, talk about the call to us as Christians to submit to the government governing authorities and before we get into the discussion I just want to preface that uh, Salt Salt Company is like not affiliated with any political party (laughs) we don't have any political agenda we are just a college ministry that loves the Bible and sees Jesus as our supreme authority and so we're not going to tell you who to vote for or who not to vote for (laughs) but we're going to tell you what the Bible says in teach that to you and so Romans 13 we're going to be focusing in on the first five verses and so I'll go ahead and read that for us and so it says let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established the authorities that exist have been established by God 
Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the terror of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Okay, and so as, as I read that passage, my Gen Z, 21st century mind, right. um, a lot of questions pop up. And I'm thinking of a lot of problems with this passage. And so I'm sure for a lot of you guys, you guys have the same questions that I do. And so we're going to go through the questions that we think that you guys would have, and we're going to take it verse by verse. And so looking at the first verse, it says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. And so my first question for you, Terry, is what does that mean? What does it mean to be subject to the governing authorities? And what does that not mean? Hmm. I think it will continue to be unpacked as we discuss it and move through the verses. Um, But I think it literally means that all authority is derivative, that it isn't come because I worked my way up the political ladder or law enforcement ladder or whatever and got to this point of authority over humans underneath me. Um, and as I was looking at it, I remembered Jesus standing before Pilate and Pilate going, Jesus, you're not even defending yourself. What's up? And he said, Pilate says to Jesus, don't you realize I can condemn you to death? And Jesus says, you wouldn't have any authority if it hadn't been given to you. So there's, there's at, you know, at the epicenter of the cross, Jesus is telling us, yeah, even Pilate, who condemned him to death, was given that authority by God's sovereignty. So that's, that's sobering, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's a context we need to at least consider. Hmm, that's good. What, yeah, thinking of like even more, I, I love that context. That's super helpful. Like thinking even of like more like practical ways, like what it, yeah, what does it even like mean to like follow like the authority of the government? Like how do we do that in like a God honoring way? Well, there's, there's some rabbit trails that I would tend to, and I think everyone would tend to go on when they look at this initially and say, what about some of the extreme examples in history or, or of current, the current realities of what's happening over in the Ukraine or in all of the continent of Africa or in China? And, and so we can look around the world and look here in the United States and say, wait a minute, you mean I'm supposed to be s- submitting to authorities that are horrible and oppressive and and are implementing injustice and if you read the context of Paul's advice here to people who were living in Nero's you know time he's not referring to Nero at all if you read the context it's about governing authorities who are trying to create an atmosphere of justice not injustice because he said you don't have to fear them if you do what's good. 
but they are um, agents of wrath if you do what's wrong. So, so we have laws against stealing and against murder and, and lesser things and, and worse things. And governing authorities by God's design are supposed to create a safe environment in a broken world for citizens. That's God's heart. That's what he wants governing authorities to do. But that isn't typical, right? And, and so first of all, I want to say that the context of this chapter is Paul saying, generally speaking, not looking at exceptions, but generally speaking, speeding laws will typically save lives. And laws against crimes are going to be good for the community, reduce fear and so on. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. I love how you talked about this like concept generally and like with exceptions. Because mm-hmm. I think like people my age, when we hear this, we think about all the exceptions. We think of like Putin, Hitler, and then we just throw the baby out with the bathwater, like this passage. But generally speaking, Paul is saying like, as Christians, it's honoring to um, be subject to the governing authorities. And that can look like, yes, not speeding, or don't steal or pay your taxes, or Mm -hmm. don't drink before you are 21. Mm -hmm. And so that is like generally day-to-day application. Um, But in our broken sin for world sin right. has like invaded everything and that also sin has also invaded the government for sure which is why like we have these ex- exceptions um and so yeah let's talk about more about that like all these exceptions of yeah what do we do when we find ourselves in a position to where we are under the like governing authority of someone that we don't believe or or we don't believe in the same things as they do. Okay. Well, Juliana, let me ask you a question. Okay. Um, Do you believe that God has placed evil people in positions of authority and power? I mean, this is a hard question. Right. Because it's like, ah, it's like God is sovereign. Uh Uh-huh. And so I don't think he does anything by accident. So to answer that question... I would say, I don't know. <laughs> well, so I would say yes, because okay. you already kind of, but yes. reluct- you kind of threw the mm. sovereignty piece in, but reluctantly went, ooh, does that embrace mm. all of the worst examples in history or present day? And, and so I would point to, well, the example I already gave you of Pilate, mm-hmm. who, who was there for a reason, for a purpose. He didn't do any good to anyone. And he certainly didn't to Jesus, even though he knew he wasn't guilty. So there's there's a profound example. Um, but the the opening chapter of Romans talks about a context of of God saying, "If you won't acknowledge my existence and my role as Creator and Redeemer and a lover of humanity with with a heart for your good, then I will turn you over to." what you're asking for, a godless society, a godless community. And now you're going to have authorities that have no context except their own desires, which are often corrupt and polluted and, and perverse. And so, so why would God do that? What do you think? What, you know, like, why does God let that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good question. Ooh. It's even like 
like answering like the it reminds me of the question of like why suffering and it's like maybe like god is like using these people okay i i have no idea this is like me externally processing (laughs) sure maybe it's like god like using these people in power because like thinking of god he does he never does something that will not bring him glory god does everything to bring himself glory because that is right because he Mm -hmm. is holy Mm -hmm. and so thinking of that like that question he put those people in power to bring himself glory in some way or another right um it helps me when i don't understand like i can articulate theology points but it doesn't always prevent me from experiencing fear or anxiety or worry because my head and my heart i might I, there must be unbelief right i'm not i can tell you what the bible teaches but i must not fully embrace it so then i try to back up and say what would be a context where god would receive glory and one of the things that helps me juliana is to remember that god's purpose is eternal in nature it is not about fixing this present world in fact he calls this a time a time of darkness and he calls satan the prince of this present darkness and princes have authority princes have control they have impact on society and clearly satan does so i have to remember that god is letting the consequence of adam and eve's choice to believe the deceiver Mm, play out yeah and and so we're we're living in this in this broken world so part of what we need to discover is man i don't want to stay in a broken kingdom i want god's kingdom to come i don't want my bucket list to be here on this earth because it'll be an illusion that i think will satisfy and then in in the receiving or experiencing of it i go ooh, it's still flawed so so i just back up to god what is your eternal purpose and he is like a big parent who is dealing with me as a little toddler and he knows i don't understand it all and he prevents me from you know really damaging myself and others but there's still a lot i have to learn so that's good that is why i asked you to be on this podcast because that's such a great answer to the question i i wouldn't have answered that way of God is like thinking with an eternal perspective. That is so good. Mm, good. Because it's like, yeah, that even like, it even reminds me of how like when people say that we have like a God-sized hole in our hearts. Yeah. And like we're trying to fill that with like earthly kingdoms, with earthly rulers. But then actually those things don't fulfill us, but point us to like a greater one mm-hmm. that can actually satisfy us. Right. And so that's really good. And so going back to the passage, um, thinking of verse two, it says, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And so this is kind of, this is like a hard like verse to like read, but then, um, yeah, would you, uh, thinking of this verse, what does this mean about like civil disobedience and like fighting for change or fighting Mm. for what's right? What what comes to my mind in response to that, Juliana, is just simply we're going to experience the consequences of our choices. We can't avoid that. And when God says judgment, it's often the consequence of my choice. You know, if 
if Adam and Eve could have foreseen what would happen to their own family, they would have a, one of their siblings murder another one. They would have gone, oh, we don't want that at all. Um, and so the judgment is that we're stuck in this broken world. The book of Ecclesiastes, sometime, if you haven't read it, look at it, and it sounds really dismal, but it's someone just acknowledging that, well, no wonder. How could this flawed, broken, competitive civilization that we live in ever be what my heart would really desire? All of us have this idealistic, utopian hope. We want things to be fixed now. And God is saying, I want that too, but it's not going to happen until I make everything new, including Terry's heart, including, you know, that I, I need to be changed in order to be a participant in that perfect world. So, so I think judgment isn't so much God punishing as God just saying, okay, do you want to live in a selfish world? Let's see how fulfilling that is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great because I think what this verse is saying is, yeah, more of like us rebelling against authority every day. Like, this is like a hot topic, but like maybe <laughs> like like not following the speed limit. Sure. So like God is, I think what Paul is doing in this verse is like calling those out of like, oh, or like stealing something. And versus, I think a lot of people think with this verse, it means that we can never protest or like we can never like fight for change, which is like actually like not true because we see throughout the entire Bible acts of civil disobedience of people um, fighting for like what's true and what's right. And that reminds me of the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when um, the king of that time told them, was like, hey, you guys need to bow down and worship this golden statue, this false god. And they're like, no, like we cannot do that. Like we believe that like God is the one true God and we will not worship and bow down to this other God. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, they protested and they refused to do it. And, and if, you just take verse two of Romans 13, it can kind of seem like, oh, like they have to like, anyone who rebels against authority is like, that's bad. But actually what's actually true is that our ultimate authority is God. And so we seek to like obey him first. And Mm -hmm. then an earthly authority, if they tell us to like disobey God and obey them, then it's like at that point it isn't. Um, God is like calling us to like not be subject to that authority, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. I So again, the context of the authorities, Paul is talking to be subject to are ones who are trying to create a community of justice. Mm-hmm. And, and so consequently, they're going to be asking us to do things that we would want to have done, you know, that we would want to have a safe community where we don't have to fear bodily injury, uh, people taking what we've worked hard to get or or just whatever, whatever we happen to own. Um, I think of Moses' parents saying, no, we're not going to turn our child over to you. We're not going to kill him. Or Elijah rebelled against Ahab. And um, yeah, well, I think Martin Luther King is a current example and a a stellar example of someone who went, no, I I can't accept this as the way things ought to be. And and he was so instrumental in important changes that are still needing help. But that's a great example of Mm -hmm. 
Paul is not saying don't press for good justice. That's God's heart. God wants justice. So mm-hmm. that's good. Um, so we've kind of talked about what does it mean to be subject to governing authorities, but why should we? Why should we do that? Why should we desire to be good citizens of whatever government that we are under? Mm. Because we are identifying as children of God and it just brings him glory. You know how if you're out in public and and you see a family whose children are well behaved or contrast it with children who are just mayhem, uh, you know, typified or just changing the environment that they live in, you think it's much more pleasant on this plane ride with the children that are well behaved and they must be good parents. And so when we are just acting with mutual respect for one another and and letting people merge without cutting them off and fighting for our own personal space and we're just, you know, living out the golden rule, which is what God's plan is and what really is what government by God's design would be. Um we don't have to fear and we're making the family of God look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Cause I am way, like if I was like a non-believer, I would be way more attracted and listen to whatever, like someone who is like a good person and like following the law versus someone who is like, I don't know, like stealing and like cars or something. Yeah. Like I would be way more likely um, to like listen to the person who actually is like trying to be like a good citizen. And so it's like a great witness opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I even like think back to like verse one, like all governments were instituted by God. And so like, why do we f- like follow the governing authorities? Because they've been instituted by God. God has like put them in place and because of that that's a good enough example or good enough reason to follow them right yeah so i think that's just a a good point juliana that is bringing us back to where we began is that there are generally governing authorities that i ought to be subject to submitting to their decisions trusting in god and their form of good but the other example is that there are horrible people in positions of power and influence and authority and it is right to to argue for no that's not a that's not good governance and we want all people to be treated as equal we want all people to have opportunities we don't want to create an artificial ceiling so good government by god's design is equal opportunity and safe mm-hmm. and yeah so yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, this is just a question that I've been thinking of. Of so, this passage is like specifically talking about submission to um, people in the government, governing authorities. But in what other areas in our lives does like the Bible tell us to submit to some sort of authority? Hmm. The just the immediate phrase that comes to mind is Jesus is Lord. And and that's that's my biggest battle at the end of the day. It isn't, uh, there was a time in my life where I consistently cheated on taxes and, and wasn't respecting authorities. But the big issue in my life is really believing that God's 
design is for my good and I ought to let him advise the parameters of my life and make him my father or my shepherd. The, the illustration of him as a shepherd in the Bible is because sheep are stupid. They need help. We would naturally, I, I, speaking for myself, would wander toward the wolf's den. I wouldn't have the instincts or the awareness or the wisdom to, to avoid them. So I really want to have a good shepherd. And so there's great verses in Psalms 19 and Psalms 51 where David is experiencing the same thing. Is He loves God, but he feels this war within him and he says oh god create me a clean heart renew a right spirit within me and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight because david is saying i don't want my my broken mind and heart to be in charge i want to be under your authority your lordship because i believe you want my ultimate eternal good Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Like our ultimate, yeah, because I feel like this passage is like teaching us the principle of submission. Mm-hmm. And this is just like a, another application, another practice of it. But then our ultimate, because I feel like this is like teaching us and giving us practice to like ultimately submitting to Jesus, mm-hmm. which is so hard. Because like we just like don't want to give that up because we're prideful. Rebel. Yeah. Yeah. But then that's actually like, well, I have a question for yeah. you. Um, were you involved in athletics, high school or college? Yeah, I okay. was. Did you find coaches, trainers helpful or annoying? They were helpful. Did they ask you to do things you always wanted to do? No. Running, I hated the running part of it. <laughs> right? Or if you're in military, you know, it's common to hate your sergeant when you're in training and resent the effort that they're trying to, they're trying to actually save your lives and equip you to save other people's lives theoretically, right? So um, as my relationship with God has grown, my respect for him in my life of what he wants to do for me has softened my natural rebellious nature toward him because I really want help. And I also have proven that I need help. But so... Part of the surrender to authority is believing that this coach, this trainer, this person in whatever authority role it is, is actually asking me to do things so that I will have greater joy. Hmm. It just isn't in the short term. Like you hated running, but did you like to win? Yes. Oh, well, you better run. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That's good. Um, okay. Another question. So we've kind of been talking about government and we've talked about the ways in where it can go wrong. Um, But in what ways should we be thankful for the government? In what ways is the government, like why would God give us a government like as a gift? Oh, brother. Because (laughs) Satan, if he had his way, it would be total chaos all the time. If there weren't any boundaries in our civilization, you you know what happens when the lights go out in any major metropolitan city, the the looting and the just people feel suddenly empowered by darkness to do what what they feel like they ought to do or that there would be some reward in it. So anyway, I I think 
of countries that don't have anything uh, in the way of, of good governance, and it's miserable for the, for the citizens. It's just miserable. It's mob rule, and it's power makes right. Um, so, yeah. What did, did You asked me the question, how would you answer it? I would say, yeah. Because, like, I feel like there are, like, two ditches that you can fall into. Okay. One is thinking that, one ditch thinking that, or like putting all their hope and, like, dreams in the government and thinking that, oh, wow, like, oh. they can do nothing wrong. <laughs> okay. And then, like, the other ditch is saying, like, oh, the government is terrible. That's good. Like, this is, like, something we should avoid, like, the plague. But what's actually true is that, like, God... Like, or God has given us the government as a gift in the sense that like God is a God of order. He isn't a God of chaos. Yeah, yeah. And when there is chaos, people just go crazy. Like you said, like when there is, um, what's your example of like a power outage and like yeah. there's looting. Mm-hmm. And so the government's actually meant to um, protect what is good mm-hmm. and fight what is bad. Mm-hmm. And so we should actually in like in a, we should actually be thankful for it when it does like what it is meant to do. Totally. I, that's a great point, Juliana, of there are two ditches. One is thinking the government can solve everything. Nah, no, because we have laws against stealing and against murder and against rape. And it, 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 it's, it's a boundary that's supposed to have consequences that prevent us from doing it, but it doesn't. So, yeah, government isn't ever going to fix everything in this world, um, but neither is it wholly corrupt and impossible of having some value in our Mm -hmm. lives for sure and to kind of end our podcast i feel like practical tips are very helpful or practical applications are very helpful and so thinking of this topic how can we as christians honor god with how we um relate to the government Hmm. i i would in my own mind, address the relationship to the government by really beginning with my relationship to God. Because um, I need to surrender to his authority. If I, if I literally, if I am walking in step with God, I really have zero to fear from governing authorities because God let the builders of the early church, the 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 apostles. He let them be imprisoned. He let them be stoned. He, he, he let them become martyrs. But he also uh, freed them from prison and prevented, you know, Paul got stoned, but he marched back into the city because his love for the people in the city was greater than his fear of death. And so for me, honestly, Juliana, it, it truly is about getting into God's presence and seeing his heart and his glory and his goodness and realizing that's the kingdom that I want to live in. I don't want to compete in this kingdom of competition and hierarchy and might makes right. So when I'm aligned with him, it's very easy for me to um, accept that he is ruling for an eternal purpose in my life. There, there's a trust component. It just is. I won't understand it all. I, I'm not claiming that, that I don't get frustrated with circumstances I wish were different. So then I have to just back away and say, God, will you please help me see you again? And remember, 
there's an eternal fix that you have planned. You have a home already prepared for me. And so I can, I can run this race with your help in a way that glorifies you. So give me a heart that wants to glorify you. Mm-hmm. It's miraculous. It isn't something that I can give you a how-to manual that would, it is need, I need God's help. Mm, that's good. Cause it's like, yeah, it seems like the first thing that like we need to do in order to actually fulfill this call that Paul is like giving us is actually to first see that like Jesus is like the king of our life. Like we first have to do that mm-hmm. in order to glorify God in this specific like topic. And so I love that, even though it's like, I would say that's pretty practical. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So. It is for me. That That is genuinely pragmatic. It it It's where I go to fix my rebel heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's great. And so, yeah, this is our last episode of the Flourish Podcast. It's been so much fun doing these. And so, yeah, we will see you guys at kickoff in a couple of weeks. Giddy up. All right. <laughs>